Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Philosophy Podcast. Um, today we are looking at part two of this article by uh, Julian Beghini on uh, Can You Be Too Impartial? Uh, as a quick uh, recap, last week we talked about um, mainly two case studies, uh, one called Matt Wage who, who decided to go into the city to earn lots of money so then he could give more away. Um, that was his way of being effective in how he gave. Uh, and Zell Kravinsky, who was uh, talking about giving up his own organs and did in fact do that um, to help people. And he was saying that if people didn't do, didn't go that far, that then they were they were behaving uh, wrongly. They were doing things that were morally wrong. So today we're going to continue our exploration of, of can we be too impartial? Can we be too impartial? Uh, and actually... Is impartiality or is partiality a better way of um, affecting the world in a positive fashion? So, who would like to start um, having read this article? I can start, yeah. Here and circle. And so, I guess if we're thinking about impartiality, the key man that would say we should be impartial is Immanuel Kant. Um, that we should treat everyone as equals, that we should only act, or good action is an act that can be universalised and therefore would be seen as right in every situation, in all circumstances, at all times, um, and that treats everyone as an end in themselves rather than a means to an end. Now, my issue with Kant's theory is it's too cold, it's too rational, that's not how we make decisions. Even in terms of, I think it's absolutely impossible to be 100% rational um, in any decision-making. So for me, he is way too, he kind of suggests this impartiality that I think is impossible for us to do. Yeah, and like interesting contrast to that is Mill, uh, who when he's talking about utilitarian impartiality, uh, actually states that that you don't have to be impartial all the time, except your except if you belong to the one percent where you can be. And by what he means by that is if you're uh, doing an act where there's only people that you would be partial towards. You don't then need to think about other people that you're impartial towards. So other people outside of the act. So it's only when you're acting on like a wide scale that you have to be impartial. And that applies into effective altruism. Mm. And because a common criticism of that is that it's too demanding. You can't think about everyone all the time. Uh, but you don't really have to, according to Mill. So, just to clarify, sorry, I'm a little bit. So, he's saying if it's like a wide scale thing like giving to charity, you do need to be yeah. impartial. But if it's something like day to day, if you were like. Like, should I save this person's life or not? You yeah. would be partial about that because it could be your sister yeah. or so a like, stranger. With. with like, one, I can't remember the philosopher who said this or individual, but they said about effective altruism when you like advocate it, it's kind of like saying, well, I could save a family member by donating or by giving them like loads of money to pay for their hospital bills, or I could give all that money abroad. 
and save so many other lives from like malaria and all those kind of things. So why does the logic not suggest that I should do that, even though it seems really strange? But then like in response to that is you say, well, when you're considering like a family member who's someone that you're obviously partial towards, you then don't need to have considerations to those that you're also impartial to. Yeah, I think effective altruism is a really interesting mm. approach to this because so it is saying that you should be impartial because you can do more good. You should be impartial. More rational. You should be impartial, but that doesn't mean that you need to be well. That you need to always consider those that you're impartial towards mm. all the time. Because if you're just acting on someone that you're partial towards, there's no consideration needed on someone that you're impartial to. They don't need to factor into the equation. Mm. Unless you're part of the 1% and you're capable of doing so. Which is actually nearly the majority of people in the UK. Right? Yeah. Because that's, that's yeah. really interesting as well. Yeah. In the book by William McCaskill, he talks about who is in the top 1% of riches in the world and you usually only think that's like millionaires and billionaires and whatever yeah. but actually it's anyone who earns over like £30,000 If you come to Kings you're definitely, definitely You up. are definitely in that 1% but even beyond that like, I think a lot of not a lot of the population obviously because it's only 1% of the world but um, more than we would expect are in that that proportion. I think that's really good to recognise that because one of the big criticisms with complete impartiality is like, well, if you're, you know, if your family's not going to, if your family's going to die if you don't sort of be more, you know, spend more time focused on them as opposed to anyone else, um, that that's where I take issue with complete impartiality. But I think it's really good to recognise that, you know, for the very privileged and very lucky people in the world, brilliant, be as impartial as you can and kind of. Then. So I, it, it's quite nice to have that bit more flexibility because there was less of that with what we talked about last week where he said and if you don't donate mm. your kidney then you're a murderer. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's taking impartiality to a, to, a, whole to, a, yeah, to a great extreme. I, uh, I think that that's probably a bit too far I'd say and especially like again from effective altruism like Singer does say that you should only do something if it doesn't incur a significant cost to yourself. And I guess you could argue that you have two kidneys, why do you need the other one? That's not a significant cost, losing it. But then I think it's quite easy to justify that you think it is quite a significant cost to lose one of your kidneys. I guess what, yeah, it's what you consider yeah. to be a cost. Because, again, in this in William McCaskill's book they talk about um, a doctor who if he becomes a consultant he could earn like £200,000 a year and there's someone in the book I can't remember his name who like goes into medicine and wants to work out how much good a doctor does mm. and he kind of does all these calculations and he comes to the conclusion that actually over the course of a doctor's life they probably save about four people's lives that's how much good they're doing you like balance everything out and you do all these different calculations um, and William McCaskill says actually maybe you should go into like something niche where you could in, in medicine where you could earn $200,000 a year like be a specific consultant or something and then give half of that to charity 
And this guy in the book, I think the year he wrote the book, this man gave £30,000 to charity, which I think for a lot of people is a lot of money. Even if you are earning £200,000 a year, £30,000 is a significant chunk of your of your money. So I would, I'm not sure how many people would give that much money. So I don't know yeah. if it's practical enough. That's 15%. So that's 15% of that person's income, mm. uh, which is an awful lot. And I think Peter Singer, he, 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 he produces this kind of chart of how much you earn, therefore how much percentage you should give away. Mm. Um, and if you earn over 50,000 pounds, you should give away. You know, a certain percentage, and if you earn over one hundred and fifty thousand pounds, you should give away. I think it's five or ten percent. So fifteen percent is actually higher than than Peter Singer would even advocate for, and that's for for only the top earners. Yeah. And by that stage, you are assuming that those people are earning a significant amount, whereupon any additional income they have doesn't actually generate too much extra happiness because. They've already got a really good salary, as in they've already, you know, before giving any away. Um, does it, what about anyone else? Do you think that we can place a figure on how much people should give away morally? What, what, what do we think? Um, well, I feel like you can't just value it economically as well. It's like, even if you don't have the financial ability to give away huge sums of money to help others, you could just like, give your time, give your effort, like, you can't just expect it to be a mere financial, like, cost of helping the people around you, even if it's, like, not as much as helping four people's lives in, in like, your entire lifetime, you could just, like, contribute your part as much as you can, so. So, interestingly, effective altruism would say you shouldn't do that. So, I mean, not that I disagree with that, I, I think that that's um, really admirable, but, um, they would say that giving your time, like maybe volunteering at a charity shop or reading to the elderly or something like that, um, both are things that I've done. Um, they're not very, they're not effective and that actually you could give a small amount of money. So you should be selfish in it, in it, to an extent and that you should pursue a career which you're going to get a lot of money from and then just give a little bit of money and that you could save many more lives and have a bigger impact. So I guess the distinction is also between what your outcome is, I don't know, long term, worldwide, and what your, versus what your intentions are, or perhaps what your outcome is on like a small, immediate scale. If you don't, for example, have the opportunity to like go get either a good education or the opportunity to get that high paid job then surely you're better investing your time in something like in pursuing a more charitable career in which like you merely devote your efforts rather than your income and because you you know from the start that you will never have the ability to generate as much income as you would be able to give with like your actions I think uh an effective altruist would probably say it depends what charity you pick because in the book Doing Good Better they uh, talk about one charity I can't remember I think Take, it was Take on? no a, like a really ineffective charity <laughs> uh, oh it might have been um, 
Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, could be. Which, uh, I think, this might be wrong. I know. Uh, but it could be, I think it said that 99% of all money given to it is put back into fundraising. So, really? not a very effective charity. Yeah. And you're better off giving some like... Deworming. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, um, it's a much colder approach. I read an article about effective altruism and absolutely pulling it apart, mm. saying that it's really calculated yeah. and that's not what giving to charity is about. And it's kind of the point you're making, Talia, that it's not, you know, not everyone's in a position, number one, to be able to give money, but also that's not what being altruistic is, mm. like feeling that compassion. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, I think it comes to that towards the end of this article. It's the idea that, you know, Singer and Co are, are just getting us to be like, you know, worker bees. Yeah. And we're going to earn as much as possible, work as much as possible, so then we can give some away without actually really thinking about or having any emotional connection to what you're giving away. So obviously, you might have some emotional connection when you, when you decide what charity you're going to give to. But I think it, I think you know, when you read to the elderly or you're helping in a charity shop nearby or, or whatever it is, I think towards the end of this article it's it's saying that actually that's a very important thing. It, it develops community and therefore actually is that also a very effective way even though the, um, you know, the purely financial um, effectiveness is, is, is limited. Is it doing other things that are equally or more important? I, I think I... I think Singer would say to that that you're viewing charity wrong and you're viewing it with like a tinge of egoistic feeling yeah, and that you want to make yourself feel good by doing something and that's not what charity is about. Uh, instead it is about us doing as much good as possible and by letting your own emotions get in the way of it, you may like move away from what's most effective. And think about some of the scandals we've had with some charities in the past few years. Like, without that kind of reflection of and like um, reports being done into into their actions and investigations, people would perhaps still be giving to certain charities because or supporting certain things because they think that's you know that's kind of the way it makes me feel good to do that. Whereas actually, sometimes it's good to take a more calculated approach to which we do in business mm. we wouldn't necessarily say business is a bad thing just sort of change direction a little bit i think other for me one of the big problems with this whole attitude is that if you're donating all your sort of quote-unquote spare money if that makes sense so if you're in the top one percent and you're donating five to ten percent of your early it doesn't really leave and it says in the article any sort of place for things that are so kind of central to culture, so it doesn't leave any room for sort of things like music, which is very expensive because, you know, you've got to, you know, it's such a big industry or stuff like film because it doesn't really have any, doesn't really have any purpose. Do you mean like for me to spend my money on going to the cinema and um, going to see people play gigs? Or you mean the industry as a whole? Yeah, I was sort of, yeah, the whole, because it's such a, it's such a huge industry. Like if you think, you know, uh, film makes sort of, or big blockbusters will make about 1.5 billion pounds, or dollars rather, and that will just go straight back into the industry doing more. And I, like, I, I would argue that that's where the, 
that's where you should target the sort of this the kind of attitude on uh, charity and giving in the best way because it's not that's gonna make much more of a difference than focusing on the individual giving. So encouraging film companies and producers to give some money to charity. Well, more. Um, well, more as in, this is going to sound really bad, but as in the individual shouldn't necessarily give much to charity, but the areas with the most money should be giving to charity, in that sense, if that makes well, any well, sense. How, how might they argue back, though? I mean, I can, I can like, feel people saying, but we spent years and loads of money and loads of experience creating these films, like, we've earned it, why should we have to give away as a corporation? Because <laughs> be a good person. Yeah. Good. But, then, but then if they weren't able, if they gave away a lot of their money, they may not have much money to be able to make more films and actually films and music produce a lot of happiness for people. Mm. And perhaps even in countries or areas where there are social issues or financial issues, perhaps those films provide hope. Maybe they're doing their bit for society. But then, then I think singing would just come back, or in effect, perhaps just become because it's like quite based off preference utilitarianism. I think they would just say like those are the wrong things to be focusing on. They're not as important as like staying alive. Yeah. Obviously, that mm. like enjoying a film and whilst yeah maybe people in like less developed countries might get access to the songs and it might make them happy for a few hours like removing the risk of death from like poor sanitation and illness is much more worthwhile and that's what all money should go towards in the well in the short run and well until it's fixed basically and then you can start considering other little bits of happiness like films um, so, Disney, as one company in one year, made $59.43 billion US dollars. Revenue or profit? Do they have a, profit. 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 Do they have like a social corporate responsibility type page? They would, but if you think, if, if they donated even kind of 5% of that, let's say, in the same way that you would if you were in the top 1% of people, 5 to 10%, you would solve so many of the world's problems. Again, I think it's something that everybody has to be a part mm, of. Mm, I don't think it's... I mean, I'm not saying that because I have a secret company that's multi-million pounds. <laughs> because shares of Disney. Yeah, loads of shares. Um, but I think that, of course, those big corporations have responsibilities, just as every individual has a responsibility, and I think it's really easy for us to say, well, maybe we shouldn't do that much as an individual because other people could do more. And I think that kind of whole um, psychology and like approach to things means we'll never end up getting any, we don't take responsibility. Yeah, I wasn't saying we shouldn't give to charity, just to be clear. <laughs> um, I was more meaning if we apply this, apply what, uh, um, all these philosophers are saying about us to companies as well as people. Yeah, they should yeah. be known as yeah. some yeah. big companies. Yeah. And, and Singer would agree. And towards the end of his, his book, The Life You Can Save, he, he also says that there, there are people who have like a 5, 10, 10, 5 programme, which is the idea you give 5% away of your income, you spend 10% of your time 
you know, working with charities, i.e., or you know, ten percent of your time protesting, or or writing to your MP, or you know, trying to produce social action that way, and then five percent doing something else. So it's the idea that your your effectiveness as an altruist can be more than financial, but it definitely includes the financial. It's the idea that you're doing more than just the financial. So I've just looked up Disney's philanthropy, mm. not lady of the world, and in 2018 they announced a five-year global commitment of $100 million to help reimagine the patient journey in children's hospitals. So they're using the powerful combination of our beloved characters, storytelling and legendary creativity. Teams across the company, including Disney Imagineers, working with patient care experts to create customised, distinctly Disney experiences designed to inspire young and ease the stress of a hospital stay. But That's a lot of money. But that's not very effective. Yeah, yeah that's just, like, just yeah. give it to a normal charity, don't but start making like... Just one big advertising campaign. <laughs> exactly. yeah. And they're trying to label it as charitable and good so that they have less people handing on them saying, mm. aren't you giving this charity? Probably, but yeah. really, they could just be spending all that money on advertisement and marketing. Yeah, they also do wish granting. Mm. But then I think, if you do have a seriously ill child, a terminally ill child, that kind of thing actually could be really effective. But like making their last few days in hospital fun and enjoyable and having their favourite Disney characters there. Is that, I can see arguably, <laughs> yeah. oh, Sammy's gonna. Almost exploding. Obviously, like. But we've never, also never been in this no, position. No, obviously, of course. So we can't. But, like, I think you have to, like, look at the bigger picture. And obviously that sounds that's like That's so hard when your child would potentially... That sounds... I know, and I think that that is one problem with effective altruism. That it is, like, very harsh. But then at the same time, and it's very easy for me to say this, like, so much more could be done, so many more lives could be saved if you were to, like, almost be a much more cold approach and not, not like, give up, but kind of understand like where to fight to get the most effect mm. from I, I guess in the on the other hand me saying it's harsh if you don't like it sounds harsh to say you shouldn't make your own child's last few days in hospital pleasant but actually it's also more. it's quite harsh to only look after your own children mm. and think about those poor people who don't have family and don't have yeah. but if we just all only focused on the people who are living in extremes we'd kind of neglect everyone that was sort of still needed help but wasn't like to the extreme of death and then like those people would just sort of fade away and kind of be a bit neglected and I don't know it just seems a bit sort of unfair. I guess you have to try and find that balance between and I think effective altruism does say that you shouldn't ignore people around you and like your own well-being but you could give some money and not loads of money um, and if you do it carefully could actually help lots of people at the same time. You should all go away and read Doing Good Better, better. Yeah. and A Life You Can Save, which is also very good. Um, that concludes uh, the Philosophy Pod this morning. Thank you, everybody, for your participation. Uh, we'll see you next time.